Welcome to Smokin' and Toastin'. We are the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're going to enjoy some of all of those today as we get into show number 61, because we're smoking live at El Cubano Cigars in League City, Texas. My name is Cruz. I am your erstwhile host, along with my good friend and partner, Mr. Ian Barry. How, How are, are you, bud? today, man? Yeah, you're looking dapper. <laughs> I feel dapper, uh, actually. Yeah, you, you got kind of that dapper vibe We're about you. contacts like in today. That's oh, all it is. That's, <laughs> it's, it's looking good. It's looking I'm trying good. new ones. I've got those mono uh, vision ones, so one yeah. eye is close and one Yeah, that's far. what mine does, too. So if my eyes cross at any time during the Facebook Live broadcast, <laughs> just blame it on the context. Right. Uh, it's not. It's not because I'm just not weird. The rum. Right. <laughs> That's right. Uh, want to uh, mention that we are brought to you uh, by the fine folks at B and B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, soon to be open in Fort Worth, Texas, and we're excited because we're going to be planning a, a, a road trip Definitely to road go trip. live and and uh, check out the new location. But, I picture us uh, like that scene in the Muppets. Where we're like moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I picture almost more the uh, holiday vacation, <laughs> holiday road, <laughs> or was that just the regular vacation? I don't remember now. But uh, but yes, so it'll, be, it'll be something like that. So, but we're live today at El Cubano Cigars in League City, Texas. My first time to walk in uh, this place, and I have to tell you, Ian, this is a very different kind of cigar lounge and store. Uh, I, I will say this, and this is not a, a uh, you know, it's not a, a critique of your typical cigar lounge, but many of them are almost interchangeable. You know, in other words, you could change the sign on the door, and, and it, it wouldn't be that much different. They're very, very nice. The same, right? right? This space is completely different from any uh, cigar lounge you know, and shop that I've ever been. You know in. what? This I, I was looking around thinking of it. And it's, it's it's called um, El Cubano, and so when you walk in, you got these garage doors kind of up at the front. They've they've built this place out. It's a nice big open space. It's not like a cloistered area. There's no, like, secretive areas. It's kind of nice, big, and open and friendly. But, honestly, it's almost like a really ultra-classy ice house kind of feel. Yes, I know, I know what you mean. It's like, like, you it's like somebody almost, took an ice house and, like, added some really nice wood and paneling and some super comfortable chairs and made it, you know, more than just your uh, your typical ice house. But we're still with that kind of laid-back vibe. And a really yeah, nice it's got – and this bar over here, we'll have to take a picture of that. Oh, we definitely but this bar will. that they have in here is fantastic. Which I understand is just for decoration, although I will say – and we're going to bring Manny uh, Lopez from okay, El but, Cabano Okay, but those guys don't look like they're using it for decoration. Well, yeah, I, I was going to say. And Manny <laughs> told me before we started the show, yeah, it's just for decoration. But then he produced a bottle of rum and poured us some. Uh, so maybe not just for decoration. Uh, Manny Lopez is the proprietor. Manny, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks so for nice having to have me. you, man. My pleasure. Thanks now, for coming out today. We have been hearing about El Cubano for quite some time. And so this is our first visit for both of us, and, and we're uh, we're really excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited about you guys being here as well. Now, tell me, this is a new location for That's you? Correct. Were you in a smaller That's spot correct. before? We were in a smaller spot before. We opened the store in 2006. We're uh, all Cuban family-owned, five generations in the tobacco business I am, and my father over there is the fifth generation, of course, um, all from Cuba. In Cuba, we grew tobacco and hand-rolled cigars, so when we came to the United States, we kind of brought that talent with us and, and kind of incorporated and brought it here to, to America and kind of sharing it with our friends here in, in Galveston County and Harris County and the state of Texas. Well, this is really interesting because you find... A number of these kind of stories, let's say, in Florida. That's right. South find, Florida you know, is very Miami common. Miami and That's even right. the Tampa, Ybor City, exactly. that area. Exactly. You'll find the uh, the Cuban families that relocated mm -hmm. and then began uh, kind of like spinning up their cigar craft in the U.S. But I don't know uh, uh, really of another one in, certainly not in the greater Houston area. No, no there's really Texas. not. There's only uh, two... Federally licensed and state licensed cigar manufacturer in Texas, us being one, and then there's one in Austin. Interesting. So, um, yeah, I think I've been to that shop yeah. too in Austin down, uh, down on Sixth Street. Street. Yes, yes, that's correct. Yes, so. I have. Well, so this this makes you guys really different. Now, your humidor, obviously, you've got your products, you've got uh, other cigar lines. Only our in there as well. we do um, we do nineteen blends, about one hundred and ten different cigars that we manufacture. Our factory is in Texas City. We have another lounge like this right. that's tied in with the factory in Texas City. So, but we only carry our brand. So you only, only carry your only El Cubano brand. So yeah, this yes. this is such a cool idea. So, so it's a, like a we're basically a boutique cigar manufacturer. Well, well, this is I consider us. This is so cool, and I have to say a little bit daring because to open a place of this size and to count on the kind of traffic that you would have to have to support 
a place of this size. And even though you've mentioned a lot of different cigars and different lines, this is all your own stuff. I mean, you've got to be pretty confident That's in the quality it. of your cigars. Right. You're, you're going to smoke them today, so you'll be the <laughs> one that will let me know. I'm already doing research on that <laughs> <Okay>. right now. <laughs> all right, so tell you, you, you brought these cigars uh, over for us from the humidor. Right. Uh, tell us what this is that, that we're smoking, that Ian's smoking. Okay. And I'm yeah, about this to is the Manny 409. It's uh, the newest cigar that we brought out. It's been out, oh, for about five years now, four or five years. Uh, so it's uh, an Alano Ecuadorian wrapper with uh, Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Ecuadorian filler in there. So it's a nice, earthy, got a little kind of a natural cocoa taste to it, and, you know, cedary, woody. It's very complex. You know, it we is. make everything... Cuban style, so we do a lot of complexing, a lot of blending of different countries of origins within our cigars to get very unique flavors and stuff. This is everything you just said. I was even going to mention the pre-light sniff, like when I just smell my cigar before I laid it, the earth, just I mean, it smells like earth, right? you know, and it smells wonderful like that, like like freshly tilled kind of wonderfulness. Um, The light on it has a little bit of a... um, a little bit sharp for the first couple puffs, and then it almost immediately, like I'm, I'm a half inch in, and it's already mellowed out. And right. this is right at a medium, is what it tastes like at the moment. The cedar is very apparent. Um, also, it has a picture of you. That's on there. my my silhouette. That's <laughs> right. Like, I was that's looking it, at this. So. Wait, that is him. Yeah. Wow. That is me. That's it. Uh, I, from from the Facebook perspective, by the yes. way, you're seeing the exact picture that's on here. If you're looking at <laughs> yes, it. yes, that's we'll, it. Uh, <laughs> it, it, we're a little further from the camera because we're on location, but we will uh, uh, post a photo of this cigar and what the band looks like, so you can uh, <laughs> so you can see it up close by the time you're checking out the show. If you're checking it out on YouTube or later, um, I was going to say that when I uh, took the cellophane off of this and kind of held it to my nose for the first time the thought that went through my head was it smelled like a cuban and i don't know exactly how to quantify that other than that was just what it reminded me of the nose to the brain you know at at the at the risk of sounding a little bit um silly uh this has a very classic cigar kind of flavor and i noticed a lot of cuban cigars that i've had have that quality to them some of them have more of this or that but this has very like when you when you just expect what a cigar tastes like this has a lot of that sort of classic tobacco very classic uh, yes kind of flavor earthy but there's at least and again i'm only part way in you're a little ahead of me because uh you believe in starting the research early which i I did it's picking up actually and see i'm I'm this far in. It's starting to pick up the mocha flavors that you mentioned. Right. Almost like a coffee uh, yeah, and mocha nice, kind of rich, Really nice. Mocha espresso type taste. That's yep. correct. What I like most so far is I am not even an eighth of an inch in, and I'm already getting complexity. So many cigars, even some of my very, very favorites that have wonderful complexity, they don't get there until the first they inch don't or develop so. for a It's while, more yeah. of a single note, and you enjoy that, and then as the cigar kind of warms up, you get more of the complexity. This seems like it's maybe more complex right off the bat, so nice, very nice. Thank you. Now, Thank you. Manny, you also brought us over some rum. I did. Uh, With a I, good cigar, you have to have a good rum, you know, <laughs> a good dark rum. I'm telling you that, Ian. You know, <laughs> so. uh, what is this rum that you this brought? Is this is a Havana a- Club Seven Years. So it's a Cuban rum. You know, it's the one that's famous in uh, in Cuba, the Havana Club, and it's in dark uh, añejo. So uh, nice. Uh, Kind of has a little buttery taste to it, yeah. a little sweetness. A little you know. molasses kind yeah, of a on molasses, the Molasses, rich sugar, you know, made from Cuban molasses. Yeah, that's Cuban that's sugar fantastic. cane. So um, it's a great drink. Great uh, drink. Goes this, very well with cigars. This is not one you can uh, buy. No, on you the can't shelf, get this at the local liquor store, unfortunately. But um, if you travel to Cuba, you can bring it back. And, and in other parts of the, in Canada and Mexico and other parts of the world, you can find the Havana Club, but um, and currently it, is, it can't be bought here. Yeah, it is, at least as of this moment, check your watch, um, legal to bring it back from correct, Cuba correct. for it is personal now. consumption. Exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah, so, Well, I have some Cuba questions for you, and of obviously course. we want to find out more about the uh, actual launch of of your you know your cigar line and what it meant to open up this lounge, and then we want to uh, really get some questions about, because you've been so involved in the blending uh, and you know, looking for the different flavors, so I really want to ask you a bit about cigar blending, which I'm fascinated by. Yeah, it's an and art. It's an art. You know? That's something that I would like. 
I want to be able to like make a lot of money someday so I can retire and just as a hobby right? blend tobacco, <laughs> right? Just have enough money that, oh, that one didn't work. Okay. Yeah, in a worst case, you still have a cigar, right? <laughs> right, exactly. What is, it your, what is it your friend said when you were uh, trying out your home brewing for the first oh, time? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite quotes. I said, what if I, what if I brew a bad beer? And he goes, well, if your beer tastes great, we're going to enjoy your beer and get drunk. If your beer tastes bad, we're going to get drunk. So, <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, it kind of works. Speaking of so beer, by the way, we will be trying uh, some very tasty brews on the show today, or we hope they will be tasty anyway. Uh, Ian, tell me what you brought along, because you brought along the bomb. Oh, well, I brought along a Divine Reserve, a St. Arnold Divine Reserve uh, 17 and one of their Bishop's Barrel uh, 16, and I'll have okay. more details on that in a later right. segment. Well, I brought us a couple of interesting things. Another Houston beer, a limited release from 8th Wonder. It's called AstroTurf, and it is a dry-hopped cream ale that's available for only a limited time. So we'll be trying that, as well as something brand new from Stone called Vengeful Spirit. It's an IPA. Yeah, my chimes are going off. I don't know how to make them Pretty stop. Pretty excited but. about that. <laughs> There'll be a lot of chimes on this show as we try to figure out. Uh, I'm, I'm new to the world of electronic phones. They, they, they baffle me. It just um, keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to take our, uh, our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to try some beers. We're going to talk more about what's going on here at El Cubano Plus. I've got the details in case you haven't seen it. If you're a craft beer lover, Anheuser-Busch is mocking you. And we'll talk about it when we come back and smoke the test. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toast, and we took the time during our uh, break here to try to figure out how an iPhone works. Apparently, uh, you have to slide, swipe stuff to the up right or and down, left, and up sometimes and down. Yeah, sideways. Sometimes sideways. So, uh, anyway, we're back. It's Smoking and Toast, and this is the program that's <laughs> all about craft beer, uh, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We're smoking some very fine hand rolled cigars today uh, as we are live uh, from El Cubano a Cigar Company in the uh, wonderful city called League City, Texas. Yes. And we are uh, very excited. Manny uh, is here with us from El Cubano. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, the cigars and 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 the process of blending, which I'm really fascinated by. Uh, but I wanted to mention that our uh, sponsor is B&B Butchers, and they are a fine, upstanding establishment, uh, except for Jeremiah, who can be questionable at, incorrigible, at times. Incorrigible. But, uh, but beyond him, it's a great place to go. And he's actually a wonderful bar manager, does a fabulous job keeping things stocked that you have and have not heard of. Let's just put it that way. And one of the things I, I love about B&B is when you go to the bar and you sit there, uh, their bartender is so knowledgeable if you say, yeah. I want to try something new. Here's what I like. Boom. You see that a lot in cigar stores, and we'll talk to Manny about that, about how they do that uh, here at El Cubano. But you don't see it as much, I think, in bars, particularly I – mean, I mean, you do if you get a really good bartender, and I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying is they got a lot of them there. At, well, there's, there's a difference between someone who – uh, sits back there and slings drinks and a bartender like a bartender knows his drinks knows yeah. his stuff just like any proprietor uh, of their shop should know their product you know yeah. I'm, I'm continually amazed when you go into some of the big box stores and you ask a simple question you realize that the person you're talking to has no idea what you're talking about and you actually know more about it than them yeah <laughs> speaking of big box stores by the way we'll cover this later on in the show but this has to be some kind of a tipping point for craft beer generic craft beer is now on the stands. That's amazing. I don't even know what to say about that. Like, <laughs> Generic craft. How can that even be? We'll, we'll tell that's you. That's kind of like when they put when they put uh, the word custom on production line, mm -hmm. on production line right, items. Right. When it's custom, or they have a custom model. Yeah. Right. But it's but it's all come <laughs> all rolling right off the manufacturing. <laughs> it out does take me back to the. I want to say was it the early eighties when. Generic foods became such a trend in uh, in grocery stores, and you would have the generic aisle, and you could go yep, buy the bags of chips that just said potato chips yes. on them. My favorite, though, were the white cans That's with it. the dark letters that just said beer. beer. That's <laughs> uh, no second guessing 
what's in that can. Is there anything it can't do? Uh, you used so, to see those a lot in the movies, too. Yes, like, they'd use right. that, the generic. <laughs> I've noticed, by the way, just we'll say this as a side, and then we'll get back to cigars here, but uh, I've noticed that lately, in a lot of the stuff I'm watching, both, you know, serialized television shows and movies, the Shiner guys have been getting Shiner beer into the hands of people. And it isn't always, like, you don't always see the label because you wonder, well, if it's product placement, you would see the name. Right, But right I can up tell front. it's a Shiner box because I know what that bottle looks like, you know? I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Watch for that if you're watching, you know, almost anything. Ray Donovan, anything. I've been watching Ray Donovan, so that's, <laughs> that's what's on my mind. So, If you watch TV once this week, you've watched it more than more I've than watched it in two weeks. I know, I know you're not a TV guy, but hey, when you do, though, I'm going to direct you towards the right stuff. Noted. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> I'm doing my research. We're live at El Cubano Cigars, League City, Texas. Manny, the address, I'm looking at it backwards, but it, it's 916, is that, that right? That is correct, 916 East Main. East Main, okay. East Main, right. And you were in a smaller location kind of next door right, to we here. we were at 904 East Main previously, and then we purchased this building and did a complete remodel of it, renovation of it. It was an old mechanic shop, basically. Yeah, so I was going to say. That's why we left a couple beautiful. of the garage doors yeah. in and put a glass door on the front. And on nice days, we'll open it up, and we've got a nice little backyard area back there with some picnic tables and barbecue pits and things of that nature. Ooh, barbecue so. pit. I'm liking it. I'm liking yeah, it. Yeah, I agree yes, with that. I, I love the feel of this. Yeah. Uh, this, it really just has a nice, friendly, open feel. Uh, it's you, it's much you. taller ceilings, uh, obviously, because of the style of building it is. Correct. Much more open than your typical cigar lounge. And, uh, you know, I can see you've got the smoke eaters up there, but, uh, man, I don't see any lingering smoke in the building at all and i just see two of them are there, are yeah you, no with the two no just there? the two those two systems and the fans and and the heat, uh, ceiling height and everything kind of everything equated i've been to a lot of cigar lounges over the years and kind of took little tidbits from each one and then put a little engineering and a little mathematics into it and and a little luck, probably, too, because I'm not an engineer by any means. But uh, it's turned out very good. That's one thing that we've had a lot of compliments on, that you don't smell like cigars when you leave here. And, you right. know, it's a comfortable environment to smoke in and stuff, even when you have 12 or 15 people in here. Yeah, it's it's nice. really nice. And these chairs, by the way, are mm-hmm. some of the most comfortable cigar lounge chairs I've ever sat in. I don't know where you got these, but I want some. They're you want to be comfortable when you're smoking right. a cigar. It's all about relaxation. That's what we promote, you know. No, cigars is not something that you rush through. Something you sit back, you enjoy, you spend an hour. That's, that's, right. Right. that's right. What is it you like to say, Ian? It's just not possible to hurry up and, and smoke a cigar. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, exactly right. My thought on a cigar, and I like generally big ring gauges, big size right, cigars, because right. it's to me, it's just a time commitment. It it's is, like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do this. You know, <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. A lot of times, people come in and say they want to smoke a cigar for 15 minutes, and I say you don't. You're not going to smoke a cigar. You don't want to smoke a cigar if you have 15 minutes. Yeah, so right. If you don't have at least an hour to dedicate to the cigar, then, you know, save it for another day or another time when you do have that time available. You know, that's absolutely true, and I think that's one of the things that people, you know, may miss out on. You know, every now and then you'll have somebody over and you'll have a party or something, you'll furnish people with cigars and you'll see them, you know, like, smoke it for 10 minutes and then, you know, put it in the ashtray. And maybe they just are not a fan of cigars. That does happen. But that is not the cigar experience. It it's is not, not about no, taking not at all, not a few all. puffs and then letting it go out. I mean, it really is about sitting and enjoying it. And that was what, when I first started with cigars, that was what drew me into it. I was in a very, like, fast-paced job at that particular time. Everything was very hectic, very stressful. I started noticing that if I would sit down at the end of the day and have a cigar, that'd be the first time that I really relaxed that whole day. And so that's what I loved about uh, about it, and that's what drew me in. And then I started, you know, getting acquainted with the different flavors and blends and right. and, and learning to do it. So going to talk more about that in a moment, but we're going to sample our first our first brew here, uh, Ian, is uh, is setting out the cups. Uh, throwing the cups on or the floor. throwing them on the floor, as, as it were. This first one is a limited release. I mentioned it uh, earlier. It is from uh, uh, the people that we uh, – I actually don't know them, but I have a great deal of respect for what they do, uh, the Eighth Wonder Brewery. Plus, they're really super close to my house. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. you can just about throw a stone off your balcony uh-huh. and hit them. And, and hit them, yes. And sometimes I do that to people in Discovery Park, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I try to remain somewhat anonymous about it. So the first – 
eighth wonder beer that I ever tried was a cream ale. And not a lot of breweries are well known for cream ales. Most of them, you know, kind of make their mark with, you know, an IPA or, or maybe a porter or, or something, you know, uh, that's a little more uh, of a, a robust kind of a beer. But the Dome Foam... Uh, cream yeah, ale that's the first from one I tried 8th to. Wonder. It's just fantastic, and it's kind of what they built their reputation around. This beer is a, another 8th Wonder cream ale, and it's a limited release, but this time it's a dry-hopped cream ale, and it's called AstroTurf. They're big Houston guys there. They name a lot of their beers after things that are very Houston-ish. They have mm-hmm. Hopston, and uh, uh, they have the obviously Dome Foam as a reference to the Astrodome, and uh, there's a number of others. But this, I thought, would be an interesting case to try with the cigars because of the dry hop nature. So you were the first to sample. What do you think? That's called research. <laughs> um, it's good. That's very drinkable. It's it it's good. quick on the tongue. Mm-hmm. Like, it's there, and the whole thing is gone. It's... That's about as summer a beer as I can imagine right there. I, I'm assuming it is a limited release, like summer only, and and what we have here is something that was you know, basically still available from the production run. That's good enough. If they produce this on a regular basis, this would replace some of the later beers that I tend to buy. I think I like it like better. right off the bat. Yeah, I think I like it better than the Dome Foam. It's, uh, a Dome Foam is a great cream ale. Generally, the cream ales are... Just as you would expect them to be a little creamier, a little smoother, a little more easy drinking. This has all those qualities, but then the dry hop just makes it have that little tiny bit of craft beer bitterness in a in a good way that, that really works. It does. It does. It, you kind of feel it on your palate, on the tip of your tongue yeah. a little bit as you finish drinking it and stuff. And, and, and that gives you that little hop taste and yes. stuff at the end. Yes. And what I like about it very much is that uh, as much as I love IPAs, sometimes particularly when you get into the doubles and uh, the ones that are very hoppy, the bitterness of the hop doesn't complement the cigar. Right. It actually detracts from it and overpowers yes, it. Does, it. it. it does. Uh, and this, to me, does not do that. It's It's got, you get just a little bit of that crappier bitterness that really enhances the taste. But then if you take a puff, it's... Uh, it's something that marries pretty well. What's really interesting, too, is I just took a sip of the rum and then back to the uh, cream ale, and they fit almost perfectly around each other. They do. They mm. do. Like, they don't change each other's profile very much at all. Yeah. It's, right. That's pretty interesting. It does. <laughs> actually. It does. The rum gives a pretty light beer to, to stand it. up yeah. to uh, a, a medium cigar and a rum on top of that. Right. Well, right. this rum is so good. I. Have a feeling it would pair with just about anything. It just pairs with life. So we'll be, uh, interestingly enough, we'll be pairing the cigars both with the rum and with the beers we're doing today. And then I also have a, a single malt uh, scotch that we brought along. So we'll have we'll you have brought the scotch this time. I know. I know. How crazy is that? Right? That is crazy. Because you were using the uh, well. Two the weeks ago, I brought the rum. Yeah, and it messed everybody up. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that in the best possible. I did, way. however, give it to you as a birthday that present rum, as well. Oh my God, that was that was just fantastic. Go back. Uh, what was it? Show number fifty nine. I think it was. Something Man, like that. that thing was good. It was just fantastic. So I, I have learned how to swipe properly on the phone. That's a, that's a good thing. We making up. progress. You're making, yep, progress. making progress. As long as we're moving forward. A lot more. I really want to get into cigar blending a little bit. We have uh, more beers to taste and, of course, uh, some single malt scotch, which I have worked hard to be able to pronounce properly, and I believe it is... Akintoshin is Akintoshin. the way you're it. It's an Akintoshin 12-year single malt. We'll get to that coming up. We're live from El Cubano Cigars in League City, Texas, with Manny Lopez, whose silhouette is on the cigar. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Smoking and Toast, and it's uh, program number 61, by the way. So those of you who've been with us from the very beginning, you're gluttons for punishment, and we love you. You're we're getting best. old. We are. We're <laughs> getting old. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant uh, on uh, Washington Ave in Houston, soon to be open in Fort Worth. Uh, and I'm just going to say one word about B&B right now. Bacon. 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 That's Manny, have you been to B&B before? I have. Wonderful. Have you had, have the, you bacon had the bacon appetizer? It's amazing. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, we can talk about it for hours and have. On, oh, by the way, they the also have steaks and all that other stuff. Yes, and they're wonderful. Bacon is so bacon. good. Wow. Incredible. All right, so I wanted to get to this, and, and then we'll jump back into uh, cigar blending. 
Um, craft beer lovers. I want to see if you respond to this the same way I have. And some of you have seen this. Ian, you were just telling me during the break you have not actually seen I have seen intentionally this not so. sought it out because you keep talking about it, and I want to okay. be totally surprised and completely offended on my own. Okay, so in the newest commercial for Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, the makers of Bud Light, has chosen to, I think, mock and insult craft beer fans. It's officially called Banquet, and the spot features this kind of medieval king's court where the king is seated at a raised table surrounded by his, I'm just going to call him his posse. You know how the king always had the right, right. hangers the on, seated to the left right. and right of him. Right. And then, of course, there's there's his subjects out in the out in the room. And then one by one, his subjects bring him gifts in the commercial, right? Jeremy's first. He uh, steps up and offers the king a six-pack of Bud Light. And the king says, Jeremy, you are a true friend of the crown. And then he says, dilly dilly. And all of his posse and the other people in the room all respond and say, dilly dilly. And they raise their Bud Lights, which everyone somehow has by now, right? Uh, so then next up is Madam Susan. She gives the king a 12-pack of Bud Light. So first guy is a six-pack. She has a 12-pack. The king tells her she's an even truer friend of the crown. And he does the dilly dilly thing again, and that's echoed by everybody in the chamber. So then... An unnamed subject approaches with this container with like a wax top seal on it, right? There's silence for a second, and the king asks, what is that? And the subject proudly says, this is a spiced honeymead wine that I have really been into lately. And the king immediately says, please follow Sir Brad. He's going to give you a private tour of the pit of misery. And so this goon, Sir Brad, comes out, pushes the guy, and the guy says, I'm sorry, what? And the king says, he, he, well, actually, one of the king's flunkies sitting next to him raises a Bud Light and says, pit of misery, dilly dilly. And then the whole room says, dilly dilly. And then the Bud Light logo comes up, and the voiceover announcer says, here's to the friends you can always count on, Bud Light. So, and I have to admit, after Anheuser-Busch has spent millions maybe even billions, buying just the kind of craft breweries that might make an interesting concoction like that, I was totally taken aback that they would basically insult the craft consumer. It is worth mentioning that the subject didn't actually bring a craft beer. It was a honeymead wine. Which, but by the way, I think is the, very hot right now. Yeah, but I think the point's completely obvious here. Uh, so, am I offended? No, it's just a silly commercial. But... It does make me think. Well, it makes me think of bullying tactics where you got to pick on the smart kid because he's smart. Right. You know and what I mean? Like, realistically, and I don't, I don't mean to read that far into it, but that's kind of my knee-jerk reaction to what you just said. That's like picking on someone for, for having taste? For having a more refined taste. For, for yeah. liking something different? And here's, and here's where my brain goes with this. Do I want to spend my dollars? I'm obviously not a Bud Light consumer, so it wasn't really targeted to me, right? But do I want to spend my dollars on AB-owned craft-type beers when they're obviously saying their products are not for me? Am I taking this too seriously? Am I reading too much into this? It, it does seem like they're kind of shoving you out a little bit. The other thing, too, is what does that say uh, uh, that uh, they feel... Well, how do they actually feel about their own consumers? Like, Google Gobble, one of us. Like, if you don't drink our thing, you're obviously... Not worth well, being in our company. Look, I, I'm sure what they're trying to say is, you know, we're not a fancy pants thing. This is what friends get together and drink. I mean, I get what the commercial is is about. I get it. And I, I understand even the idea that that's not a terrible marketing position for them to take. But do you have to do it by insulting the same consumer you've been spending millions and millions of dollars to try to get to by buying... Carbach and Wicked Weed and all the other, uh, you know, really important craft breweries that they bought. It's you know, and here's the funniest thing is me and you. And what episode was it? I can't remember. We did the blind light beer taste test. That's right. right. Okay, we had twelve different light beers, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Bud Light didn't make any of our top fives. No, and oddly enough, their main competitor, Miller Light, made everybody's top made five, everybody's top five, which is kind of interesting. And it's, all that being said. It was light beer anyway, yeah. which is not really my thing, but, you know, 
Well, it's an interesting show to go back and listen to, by the way. If you haven't heard the I'll, I'll Light the... Beer Blind Taste Test, you have to go back to it. And we will put a link in the show notes to the Budweiser Dilly Dilly commercial. It's actually Dilly called, Dilly uh, Banquet. Is actually, banquet commercial. Yeah, okay. is actually the name of it. So That could uh, be infringement, too, because Coors has their banquet beer. They should be yes. thinking about that. So I will just say, uh, Adam, I did not start the timer on this segment, so you might have to kind of watch where we're going. Thank you. You kind of wave at me when we're getting close to the end. So so we're live at El Cubano Cigars, and uh, uh, I guess while we're on the subject of beer, maybe we jump in and taste Stone's newest offering. Uh, Stone, known for their IPAs, decided, hey, everybody's doing fruit-infused New England IPA, as they're being called by a lot of people. Uh, we'll try our hand at this more sessionable IPA. And so they put out the stone uh, Vengeful Spirit. And there's a whole long thing I can read, but it's basically got mandarin orange and pineapple in the beer. So you've already done your research, Ian. I have been doing research. Is this my research here? That is your research. Um so this has the, the, the mandarin zest is immediately apparent. Yes, it is. The pineapple, I don't actually get so much. There's a little trace of it there. I can, um, I can pull that out. May, yeah, see, I'm not really pulling that out. Uh, but it's it's pretty nice beer. Yeah. Like, overall, it's very drinkable. I, I would can, drink this. I can tell immediately that it's a stone. Yeah. There's a certain characteristic that stone IPAs have that's pretty consistent through all their different yeah. variations. And I can kind of taste that in there. It's... Uh, so, uh, so what do you think? This is a limited, I think. It's so. drinkable. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's pretty good, actually. for For this uh, style, the the sessionable IPA. I don't know what the ABV is on this. It is an unfiltered, and I don't think it's very high, but it is an unfiltered. Uh, I can't read that. Yes, uh, <laughs> I'm going to say so seven. Old. Seven point five. I love that. That's their sessionable. Yeah, point <laughs> you gotta love stone, don't you? Yeah, I love yeah. stone for that alone. Uh, you know, uh, and, and what's uh, funny at seven point five, it's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah, and um, pretty sessionable uh, the way that it you don't even that get it drinks. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. How are you feeling about that? It's kind of. I do feel taste the the mandarin orange. I'm like you. I don't pick up the pineapple. Yeah, I don't get the pineapple. But at all. Um, but no, it, it is very drinkable. Got a little hoppiness to it. You know, a little spice to it. There kind of stays in your mouth a lot longer than the it other does. beer. Yes, the aftertaste drank, definitely you know, lingers. The aftertaste lingers a little bit more and stuff. What do you usually drink when you're left to your own devices as far as beer goes? Uh, I know you. I know you enjoy the rum. Yeah, I'm not a big beer drinker. So, um, but. Um, so I'm not a good source for beer. I don't drink a whole lot of beer, unfortunately. Which I know that's not your show, but but I'm not. I'm a little more of a dark liquor drinker and stuff, gotcha. and I don't like the hoppy taste that well, that you know that kind of spiciness in my mouth too much. So. Gotcha. It's one of the reasons so. that we do the show that we do it this broad because right. we we kind of like to be inclusive. There'll be things on the show if you are a a brown spirits drinker, right. uh, you know, there's there's a way to uh, there's a way for us to do some great stuff with that, and we love to talk about craft beers. And by the way, even a future episode, by the way, Mattias Horseman from uh, Hendrix Gin has contacted us about coming back on the show, and this time uh, he brought and you were gone when he brought this in, but I he brought it. that totally contraption that makes a gin and tonic. The contraption he's bringing this time is some kind of an automobile. It's a cucumber slicer. Yes, wow. it's it's crazy. It is. Yeah. It, and what did it say in the email? It slices up to I think eight cucumbers in an wow. hour. It's <laughs> it's it's the largest, most inefficient cucumber <laughs> slicer. And it literally says this in the email. In history, so yeah. most largest, most inefficient cucumber slicer out so, there. So that'll be coming up in a future episode. Yeah, it's actually a truck. So it's yes. not like a trailer. It was actually a truck <laughs> that drives. A, oh, the slowest and least efficient. Cucumber slicer because it drags up it. to twenty five miles per hour. You know that reminds me a bit of uh, of the process of of hand rolling cigars. I mean, you can obviously make cigars with machines and make them much faster right. and more efficiently, but that doesn't make them better. It does doesn't, it? and you can't do uh, what we call a long leaf cigar by machine because since every leaf is a little bit different, the thickness of the leaf, the shape, the size, things of that. So. That's where the art of making cigars really comes into play and where the craftsman, when you have a master cigar roller, that really knows where to put the tobacco when you tear and fill in the voids within the cigar to keep the cigar consistent from the middle to the top to the bottom with enough material and stuff. So um, 
it's very important that that feel and the placement of the different types of tobacco that have different characteristics within the cigar uh, have to be in certain placement within the cigar so that the cigar Just will the burn properly. The physical location of the, yeah. of the leaf is very important. Um, for example, many people don't know that on a tobacco leaf, it always burns from the farthest point back. So when you roll a cigar, it's always the farthest point of the leaf is what you're lighting in the cigar. And that's about. why you don't want to clip the other that's why you don't want to uh, light like the other end you don't want to clip the end and then light the clip right end. and there's two reasons for that number one because you're you know turning over the cigar the way it's blended but also the way the cigar is rolled if you smoke a cigar backwards it will actually unravel right i've so, had that happen because the way it's rolled and and overlaid if you smoke it backwards that overlay will because there's no adhesives or anything like that in the cigar a little bit on the end that we use a natural organic adhesive from yucca it's a it's a uh, you take yucca which is a root vegetable much like a potato very starchy and we grind it into a powder form and then we add water and make a that or organic pectin. Uh, yeah. exactly pectin to, to seal just the top to close off the top of it so um without so changing things, the without flavor changing of the, the flavor that you don't taste it in, okay uh, exactly when we the come more back you know when we come back i want to ask you about the process of how you make a cigar uh remain consistent in flavor course, from one year's tobacco crop right. to the next because that's something i've always been how do they do that because right. the tobacco is going to be so different from year to year so that's coming up we're also going to taste a little uh uh and a little uh, single malt scotch coming up Smoking and Toasting is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine distilled spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are live at El Cubano Cigars at 916 East Main Street in League City, Texas. And we're here with uh, Manny Lopez, who is the proprietor and, and... Oh, nice. We'll be sampling some single malt here as uh, Ian gets ready to pour that bad boy. So, uh, so Manny, um, you're, the, you're the proprietor of the shop, but what... What has your role been in terms of the um, the actual manufacture and blending of your cigar line? Of course, yes. Well, it's a family-owned business, so it's my father and I that own the business of Guano Cigars. And um, so, what I've my main purpose within the cigar factory has evolved over the years, of course, but uh, predominantly. Aside from running everyday operations, of course, is the blending of all the cigars. As I mentioned earlier, we have 19 blends, so um, we're constantly working on those blends and better. And as each year comes in, different tobacco crops, different temperatures and water and things that affect tobacco in different mm-hmm. regions that tobacco is grown in, we um, we have to make adjustments to the blend to keep it consistent year over year to try to get the same flavor. Now, it's just like very similar to wine in that regards in that, you know, certain years are better than other years because you had just the right amount of rain, the right amount of, of cool heat, things of that combination. Um, so... By taking those different tobaccos and, and as tobacco comes in from new production and and future years and stuff, as you make adjustments to your blend, that's very important. And that's my main job within the, as far as the cigar factory is concerned, is blending those tobaccos into the cigar to keep the blend consistent, coming up with new developments, new styles, new characteristics, new flavors and things I'm, of that nature. I'm curious, when you're doing that, like you obviously have to have such a deep knowledge of the tobacco leaf itself and i'm sure that before something like there's so many variables like this leaf for this blend is what we used last year this leaf this year is a little different because even though we tried everything the same i mean it's an organic thing exactly so what i'm curious about how much of it is preconceived like you already know okay well this leaf turned out this way so i know i have to do different things to make that happen how much of it is that and how much of it is getting your hands on the leaf it's a combination of taste and 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 feel of the tobacco and look and and smell and strengths and things like that so it's an an experiment basically you're taking these different tobaccos and as you develop a blend you know sometimes some of the blends that we have in the humidor have taken me a couple of years to develop because it wasn't quite what i was looking for for the tobacco from 
the regions that I was using and stuff. So I wanted a certain taste that I know I can get when I combine these certain regions, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted. So you have to make adjustments. And other times, you know, you're lucky and the first time you put it together it just falls into place. But most times it's a trial and error and you're just taking the different leaves and you're playing with different combinations of a whole leaf, three quarters of a leaf, a half a leaf, things of that nature. And because the leaves are set, are different in, in thickness, they're not all the same thickness, of course, it's just like an orange. You know, sometimes you buy an orange and it's real juicy and, right. and you know, it's got a perfect taste. And other times it's a little more dry, a little more bitter. And it came so, from the same that, tree. And it came from yeah. the same tree, the same right. farm and everything, you know, so, so because it is an organic. Skill-wise. So skill-wise as well, uh, because of all this, do you have some proficiency as being a roller as well? I do. I do. I roll everything and, and kind of play with it. I mean, I don't do it on a daily basis. The rollers that work for me, that's what they do every day for a living, so they're right. a lot faster than I right. am, of course. But um, but as far as rolling everything, I'll roll. And usually even each day when we – usually once a week we'll change the size of the cigar and maybe the blend, not always the blend, but always the size. And I'll roll a cigar that day before we start. Usually on Mondays we'll start with a new size because since so much of it is done by feel, you can't jump from one size to you can't make a Corona one day forty two by six and a half and come back the next day and make a Sulima fifty four by six and a half you know because right. the feel is completely different in your hand so you want to stay with that same size as a roller the entire week and the large factories um, the roller will roll the same cigar for their whole career or many years consecutively like that's yeah, what that that's all they roll does. is that well, specific okay. exactly that. unfortunately we're a boutique so. In the, in the good regards right. is that all my rollers are master rollers, and they have the ability to roll any size cigar. Right. But awesome. to make it consistent, we try to stay with that cigar that whole week, the same blend and the same size for the entire week. And do you find that you have certain rollers that you would lean towards for certain sizes? And oh, things without, like a that? without a Obviously, doubt. Obviously, they all have proficiency exactly. in all of them, but some of them are going to exactly. excel at different without areas. Without a doubt. Yeah, nice. Some of them are better on a smaller cigar. Some of them are better yeah, being able on to a recognize bigger cigar and a... things of that nature and stuff. And you have to kind of – and each cigar – I can smoke one of my cigars and know which cigar roller made it, even if I wasn't at the factory because they all have wow. little different techniques wow. and they all that, that's roll a, a little bit different and stuff yeah. like that and it's just in the way the cigar feels the weight of the cigar the, the draw smokes, of the cigar yeah. the way it smokes and all that is different from because each person puts their personal touch because again it's art not every painter right. paints exactly the you can give them the same painting to paint and they're the all going to paint it a little yeah. bit different in the same materials. manny where do you come down personally sure. on ring gauge on are ring. you a fan of the bigger ring gauges with more different kinds of tobacco, more room to experiment, or are you a fan of maybe narrower ring gauges where you've got a little more focus on right. the tobacco experience? Ideally, I like to smoke cigars from 50 to 54 ring gauge. That is my the favorite size so you got medium to large right yeah. right medium to large so you got the robusto which is a 50 by 5 you got the toro 52 by 6 you have the piramida which is the torpedo 52 by 6 also and then you have the sublime 54 by 6 and then you have we make a gran torpedo that we call it which is a large torpedo that we make in a 54 by 5 6 and 7 inches so that's predominantly what i like to smoke i like the way it feels in my hand I like the way it feels in my mouth. I like the time that it gives me uh, as far as smoking pleasure. So it kind of brings everything together for me. When you are uh, sourcing tobacco, yes, where do you do you actually go to the fields? Do you we do make we, trips to the Dominican. We do Nicaragua? make trips, and we have co-ops that we've been dealing with for many years. That kind of they bring their tobacco in together in different co-ops and stuff that work certain regions of different countries and things of that nature, and we'll buy from those co-ops and stuff. So the tobacco is we're lucky that we have good sources for tobacco because again that's very important you have to have good ingredients no matter how good a cigar roller you actually are if you don't have a good ingredient to work with you're going to make an inferior that's product be a very important that's a very important it really is and as a small boutique manufacturer you know you're a little more limited on that because you don't have the powers that the large manufacturers do. So do, in that do sense, some of the large guys come in and buy out all the tobacco? Oh, without you a doubt, they'll buy out all the the fields and stuff like that. But luckily, we have groups of farmers and like say co-ops that we've worked for many years, so they always leave a little bit for us That's in awesome. case one of the big boys comes in and buys everything. We always have enough to to make sure that we take care of that's, our customers and stuff. That's so. the relationships that so you were talking those about. Those are the relationships yes, that absolutely. you make 
uh, over a friend. And, you know, we're, we're business associates, but we're friends more first and foremost. Ian, we're going to see how this cigar pairs up with some uh, 12-year-old single mom. This uh, is you the know, Akintoshin. I, I want to point out as well with, uh, with my cigar that your cigar uh, has remained consistent this entire uh, this entire length of it so far. Mm-hmm. It hasn't really developed past the first half inch, but that being said, it was a complete uh, and it complex was a complete cigar. Flavor. Right. Yes, absolutely. Like right from almost right from and, the start. And that is, and a good cigar is going to do that. You know, the beginning of the cigar, the first five minutes of the cigar is always going to have a unique taste to it. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable right. and stuff. But after that, you want to keep the flavor consistent in the same it's just like the beer doesn't taste any better the top part of the beer doesn't taste different than the middle or the bottom part of the beer to my knowledge well and i've noticed this uh, either either blending or rolling i'm not sure and probably a combination of both but i've noticed some cigars as you smoke them they develop but some of them load up too some of them load up and get more bitter or more this or more that which is not really bad, but sometimes when they're more bitter, you know, right. you can get to this point in the cigar and go, okay, I'm done with that one, exactly. whereas this one, I'm still going. And that's a lot of times, the uh, manufacturers have a tendency to rush product, and that's one thing that's very important when you use a natural product. You have to age it. You have, you have to go through its proper process. You have to let Mother Nature do its work. There's things that you can do to speed up the process synthetically, which we don't do. Everything we do is natural, organic. You know, it's gotten all the tobacco we use is no less than two to three years old after we roll it we put it through about a six month process of different steps that we put it in so on average when you're smoking one of our cigars you know, you're looking at about a cigar that was made four to five years ago on average and stuff so that time to let the tobacco marry and marinate and blend with all the different flavors just mm-hmm. like you do with a good scotch or or whiskey or rum, letting it sit in the barrels and letting it go through its process. You have to do the same thing with the tobacco. And a lot of the bigger manufacturers, they're all about numbers. They're about pushing, right. just like in beer. You know, the, mm-hmm. the big manufacturers are pushing that product out because they've already got it sold and they're looking about today. Being a boutique manufacturer, you know, we don't have shareholders, you know, and things of that nature that we have to keep happy. So we do it to our specifications and our requirements and what we're liking. If a cigar is not ready, when I bring it out, it stays on the shelf and goes through a little bit more aging and developing and stuff like that because it's not ready yet that's that's a lot so uh if you want you don't have to carry this bottle home i will take it with me (laughs) that's good to (laughs) know this is delicious that's good to know because i brought in you know the equipment for the recording but think how much lighter my load would be if that bottle of akintoshin wasn't in there Uh, i bought (laughs) this actually uh when i was on a family vacation in uh in florida and i knew there'd be lots of uh Lots of brown spirits consumed, and I thought, you know, it'd be fun to have a single malt down here by the beach. And so um, I uh, found that in one of the local shops there. Had never uh, tried it before. Actually, wasn't familiar with this particular brand at all. Uh, although, obviously, they've been around for a while, and I did a little research after the fact and discovered that, yeah, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they carry some weight. But this is a 12-year single malt, and uh, uh, real quickly, just give me some of your impressions. Of so the, of my impression is very smooth. It's very round-tasting uh, mm-hmm. on the tongue. Um, there's a lot of oil kind of mouthfeel to it, which I really enjoy because it, it tends to linger and, and you feel that in your mouth after you take a sip. A lot of dark fruit and cinnamon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the uh, cigar is influencing that, but the cinnamon, and I've had this uh, scotch before. It's quite good. The cinnamon is really popping out right now. Yes. And I think that could have something to do with the cigar. Right. It's, yeah. it, it seems like that, or the 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 um, rum might have something to do with that, too, because well, rum, rum has those molasses, sugar kind of, yes. kind of flavors, too. So maybe I'm just more attuned to it, but this is so good. And... You know, I'll take care of this bottle for you. You don't okay. have to worry about carrying it. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to know that you're you're there for me, <laughs> and and that's the kind of good friend that I expect you to be. All right, we're going to take a break. Be back with our final segment. Uh, Ian has brought some beer for us to uh, uh, taste. We probably only have time to do one of those, Ian. So maybe you can choose. That's which fine. One I'll you pick think. one. Uh, and then more questions about tobacco and blending. Having a hell of a time here. El Cubano cigars in League City, Texas. Learning about cigars. I love it. He's smoking a toast. Awesome. On the beach in Hawaii Welcome back to Smokin' and Toastin'. 
Just touch your cue in to do Oh, this. sorry, I was a little late. <laughs> <laughs> Off the top. We are live at El Cubano Cigars in uh, League City, Texas, and we are brought to you by B&B Butchers at uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. Great place to eat steak, great place to have bacon, and a great place to drink as well. They've got a fantastic bar. Manny, I wanted to ask you, um, we have had a chance to talk a lot about cigars, and I'm just loving how much I'm learning uh, from you on this. This is so One of the things that we offer that the average cigar store can't offer because they don't know the process of making cigars. Well, you're right. They may have guys that are very experienced in, you know, Helping you choose a cigar. Right, and smoking certain cigars. But they haven't maybe been a part of this process of actually making them. Especially if it's an everyday. It's one thing to go and visit a factory for a week and spend a week down in Nicaragua or Santo Domingo and stuff. But it's another thing when you're in there every single day and seeing things. And and us that have years and years, I mean, we have over 200 years combined, maybe 300 years combined of knowledge within. And we still learn new things every day and stuff, you know. So Now, your family came here from Cuba, is that That's right? correct. That's and, correct. And what, do you remember what year it was? In the 60s. In yes. the 60s. Right. Okay. I came over in the so 60s. When escaped. so many people escaped. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Okay, after so, the revolution. So you obviously have a background in Cuban tobacco. Correct. Cuban cigars. Correct. Uh, your cigars you're rolling now, I'm, sh- I'm assuming your tobacco is probably from all over, right? Right. It is. It's from all over. It's Cuban seed predominantly, but it is grown in Central and South America predominantly, Nicaragua, Santo Domingo, Republica, Dominican Republic, Honduras, Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, and we actually use a little Cameroon out of Africa, some Indonesian, a little Colombian, a little Peruvian, so a good blend of different tobaccos from all different parts of the world, and that's one of the things that when I did this uh, that was very important to me because I kind of always grew up you know, with the knowledge of Cuban cigars and the characteristics of Cuban cigars. And what I found is that the thing that's unique about Cuban cigars is the complexity. And the reason that they're so complex is that you have many regions in Cuba that grow tobacco. There's about six different regions in Cuba that grow tobacco, and each region has completely different characteristics. Mm -hmm. You go to other parts of the world, they may only have one, two, three regions that grow tobacco. So that's kind of why Cuba is the mecca of cigars. Unfortunately, the quality of Cuban tobacco has gone down, and that's, you know, because there's no capitalism, of course, you know, so there's no incentive to make a better better product. product, They're kind of working on your reputation from over the years and stuff like that, and that's why cigars from other parts of the world have kind of surpass Cuban cigars well, because you've got capitalism, you've got an owner that's involved like we are, you're hands-on, you want to make sure you're putting a quality product for your customers. Right. So at this point, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you, at this point, do you feel like you can get as good or better cigars from tobacco that's not grown in Cuba? I do. I really do. Now, I think you have to blend multiple countries in order to do it. But um, without a doubt, and that's what I think we've been able to accomplish. And you're smoking cigars that were made in Texas, you know. So that's if somebody so tells awesome you, hey, that is, uh, yeah. you smoke us. And, and that's funny because a lot of people come in for the first time and, and they know that we make the cigar here. We explain that to them and they kind of have a premonition that the cigar is not going to be good because it's not made in Latin America and stuff. And it's, you know. It doesn't matter where the cigar is made if you're using good quality product and right. good quality right. craftsmanship. It's in the ingredients. That's right. It Tell really me again the, what exact cigar this is. Okay, that's smoking. the 409 that you're smoking today. Okay. So it's a copper with uh, my silhouette, copper label, copper label yep. with my silhouette on it. And um, one thing that's very important in cigars is the different types of tobacco. And something I want to bring up is that you have different tobaccos within the cigar Um that have different characteristics. You have the seco, which is used for combustibility. So all, of course, all tobacco is combustible, but seco is a thinner leaf uh, found on the bottom part of the tobacco plant, and predominant use is for combustibility. It doesn't have a lot of flavor, doesn't have a lot of oil. It's about the burn. It's about the burn. It's what keeps, and that, when you roll the cigar, that tobacco needs to be on the outside of the cigar so that it keeps the oilier, stronger tobaccos, which are like your visal, which is flavor and aroma, your lijero, which is strength. Those go in the inner part of the cigar and that faster burning seco kind of keeps it burn on burning evenly with those oiler tobacco and then you have your capote you're buying what you call your binder which is a low grade wrapper and then you have your outer wrapper which is the most prestigious of all the tobacco leaves has a very small vein structure um, another thing on tobacco that we do everything's what we call intuado where each leaf is actually rolled into a little tube which allows you to have a very good draw on the cigar the draw on this uh, is yeah, fabulous yeah and that's way. very important in a cigar cigar uh, if it's you know 
know, if it's too tight, it, it won't draw, of course. And if it's too loose, it'll overdraw and not burn properly and stuff. So the technique and when you roll the cigar, that's very important. And the placement is also very important. Most of the time, people think, well, if a cigar is burning funny or sideways and things like that, I mean, it's, it's a natural product. Not every leaf is going to burn perfectly. But if it's done properly in the rolling techniques and that lighter faster tobacco is on the exterior and those oilier darker heavier tobaccos are in the metal most of the time it's going to burn well so most times if you have a cigar that kind of runs a little funny sideways it's because one of those in the rolling one of those uh, heavier oilier darker tobaccos kind of shifted itself in the rolling towards the outside of the cigar and that's why it's not burning now, properly just out of well, curiosity um because we found, like, the fount of cigar knowledge here. <laughs> oh, no. What do you prefer? Uh, like, how do you prefer to open up your cigar? Punch, clip, you know, B? Yeah. And, what are your favorites? I like to, to cut the cigar, but not overcut the cigars. I like to use scissors, you know, to cut, you know, cigar cutting scissors and stuff that are very sharp and stuff. But... A lot of people have a tendency to overcut the cigar. When you roll the cigar, uh, you roll the cigar, and then you're going to finish... After you put the outer wrapper on, you're going to take a portion of that outer wrapper and you're going to make a cut, which is what we call the handkerchief. So you're actually going to pull back the outer wrapper. And from the same outer wrapper, but a, a piece of the leaf that's left over, you're going to make like a little handkerchief that kind of goes the, the two and a half times around, which is the Cuban traditional wrap on the cigar, two and a half times around the cigar. And then you're going to put, you're going to cut out a little circle, which is the cap of the cigar. So you want to keep the integrity of even that cap and that that handkerchief on the cigar. So when you overcut the cigar, you're actually affecting the construction of the cigar. So it's just all you're basically doing is opening it up. If the cigar is rolled well and it draws well, you don't need a very big orifice in it to to draw the smoke out which of it. Which is why a punch will work. A yeah, punch yeah. works very good, and I'm that's kind always, of a dummy proof thing. The, right, the, the and I'm always happy simple. with a punch. I like yeah. how neat it is and the draw right. is generally good right. and i've also found if i punch a cigar and it doesn't draw properly i can always clip after right exactly. you can make adjustments and open right. it up in case it has a little knot or somewhere so so yes the punch does that the main thing about the punch and why you should if you punch your cigars you should have your own punch because you should always moisten the cigar a little bit before you punch it mm-hmm. even though it's been kept at humidity and everything but you don't want to damage the outer wrapper the you outer wrapper is very delicate wrapper, you don't want yeah. it to break and if the cigar is a little bit under humidified you know, it, you it's can crack the wrapper. It's very wrapper, easy. Yeah. And, and so if you kind of moisten it a little bit uh, in your mouth a little bit before you punch it, you know, not over moisten, but just mm-hmm. enough to moisten it and, and punch it and stuff, you avoid any of those problems. So Many the um, the cut... Yes. If you're using a guillotine or cigar right. scissors, right. on a well-rolled cigar, how far in do you go? About an eighth of an inch. About it's not very far. Yeah, okay. it's not very far I in. Like you just, you're, you still want to keep the crown. All you're doing is opening the crown of the cigar just so a little bit. I have so a cutter that has a backing on it. Correct. The Perfecto-type cutters, yes. They and call those. I have to tell you, yeah. like out of all the cutters I've ever had, yeah. That one has stayed the sharp. It wasn't even a very expensive cutter. It right. stayed the sharpest. Yeah. And it's a flawless cutter. It's a good Bam, cutter. We right sell there. them here, and yeah. they work very good, and they're good. For somebody that's not real knowledgeable, you put the cigar straight in, you cut it, yeah. and, and you it's gonna, you're, you're not going to overcut. And a lot of them, the ones that we carry here, have a little hole. So if you're doing a pirami, the torpedo, it actually has an area for that little torpedo to I've go into. I've seen that before. Yeah. Mine doesn't have it. Yeah. Now, I want to uh, bring up, I brought more of a my style beer. Okay. <laughs> you said you like the brown liquids. This is this is, this is a brown this liquid. Definitely brown. It may like have espresso that I have in the, the morning. Same, may have the same viscosity as some of the brown spirits, too. That's it. That's it. So uh, what Ian I brought is a uh, uh, St. Arnold Divine Reserve 17. This is a Baltic porter. Um, now, this is a 9.2% beer. I've had this before. This is fantastic, if you ask me. Yes, very good. Um, but you'll notice there's a certain, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? When you have that Baltic porter, there's a certain sharpness to the flavor, to the mm-hmm. bitterness of it. Right. It's so good. And then the finish is smooth and creamy. Very smooth. Ian, this, this starts out like a, a fairly typical porter taste. It's nice and complex, but you go, okay, that's a porter. I get it. And then there's something on the finish that I can't quite describe 
that is just out of this world. What am I picking it's up on there? Burnt caramel. Is yeah. that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it's, wow. it's very good. Burnt caramel, and the finish is just burnt caramel, and it's I love that about it. It's so mm, good. Yeah. It's not super hoppy, which I like that. No, this you know? is, and, and it so it's funny because you it. mentioned that earlier. Yeah. He loves the hoppier that's beers. That's a turn off to me. I'll drink them okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they have to be really the balanced, but stuff. the malty stuff. Right, like, no, is, that's amazing. This is more like what I bring, and this is the kind of beer a lot of times I'll have with cigar, but I have to be careful. With the beer and the cigar, because if your cigar doesn't stand up to something right. like this, you well, can bury true. your cigar you pretty really quickly. Can. You really I can. I can tell you, this one stands up magnificently. Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to get back. We've only got a, a, a little bit of time uh, left in the show. I want to get back to this cigar, because I wanted to mention that uh, in between one of the segments, I picked it back up, and it had gone out. I relit it. An absolute zero relight penalty. It relit That's beautifully, nice. did not get harsh. That's a big deal for me and can really ruin some otherwise really good cigars yes. for me because I have a tendency to talk a lot. You know? I've never noticed this about you. I know you haven't. I but know I'll take your word for it because I know, I know you know you speak the truth. And, uh, and so sometimes you're having a conversation <laughs> with somebody and you look yeah. and your cigar's gone out. So right. it's you know it's it's the way that it it's the way that it works. So I love that about this. What does this cigar sell for? In your uh, that cigar sells for approximately nine dollars. That's nine dollars. That, that size. Yeah, so we I, have it in about four different sizes. Well, I love it, and I'm going to say one of the things we like to do on the show is we do something called price to quality, and that basically means. If you're paying the the retail price for the cigar, what is the quality in relevance to the what price? you're paying? Right, of course, you know, it's very you important. You can smoke a really good cheap cigar; it can have a big price to quality. Right. Might not be as good as a more expensive cigar. Then sometimes you smoke a more expensive cigar, and it isn't as good as as what you paid for it. So what we say is that a five on the scale of one to ten means you get exactly what you paid for. And I'm going to rate this one a solid. Solid seven. That's exactly I where I was going to go for this too. Yeah, love you definitely get a little more than you pay for, and the the no relight penalty just puts it way over the top it, too. It, That's it such really a beautiful is. thing. So I want to do something that we haven't done before, uh, and because it is time for us to wrap up the show. And uh, thanks to uh, Adam for uh, engineering for us. Adam Andrus, thank you on the wheels of steel. Love it. <laughs> um, uh, so we're going to wrap the show up for Radio Brave, but I'd like to do one last podcast only segment because I just have a few more. Tobacco questions that I want to ask Manny. Is that cool? Most definitely. All That's right. what we, I'm here for. We want to thank you for listening to Smoking and Toasting, and uh, we appreciate it. And check us out on TuneIn, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook. Apple Music, Facebook. We're all over the place. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show, Manny. My El pleasure. Cubano thank you for coming out today. At uh, 916, did I get it right? That's correct. 916 East Main Street in League City. Come down here and try these cigars. They're fantastic. And uh, by the way, everybody. Cheers. 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 Salud. Salud.